Nikki Lerner, my friend, what's going on? Oh, what's not going on these days, <laughs> Scott? That's a better question. But what's going on? Life is good. We are alive and breathing again um, and have another opportunity to make the world a more beautiful place. That's what's going on. What's going on with you? The same. I just came back from um, just came back from my cemetery run and got oh. showered up. And, you know, I, I was there contemplating um, life and mortality all in the same venue. And uh, here we are. My friend Nikki and I are here with just a special series of broadcasts. It's a joint effort. Uh, Creative on Purpose is our home for today, but we're going to also be going back and forth to Nikki's home base. Nikki is um, a, a friend, a, a coaching client sometimes, and a member of the Difference Maker community, and a ruckus maker extraordinaire as a culture coach. And those of you that know me know that I am Chief Difference Maker Creative on Purpose. And as Nikki and I have been having some informal and formal uh, coaching sessions, we have been talking about what's been going on. And what's been going on has been a pandemic has been racial unrest, all against the backdrop of the big, uh, you know, what began uh, not too long ago is some just unrest in general over things like gender and sexuality. And there's just, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. There, there will always be work. <laughs> <laughs> there will always be work to do. Well, what's really fascinating about getting started with this conversation is with you is, you know, you've been a culture coach for some time, and I, I do want you to share, um, you know, how you frame that, because I think it's beautifully articulated, but I am just getting started in this realm of culture coaching, but in a very um, specific kind of online, helping companies and organizations, institutions that are not used to online culture. Uh, helping them dial that in and helping them see that it can actually be better than what was mm -hmm. happening in person and on site. And that's just a way that we can enhance connection and connectivity. But I would love for you to just start off by by sharing like what it's what it is that you've been doing for so long and why it's so much more relevant today. Yeah. So, um, you know, I chose the term culture coach on purpose because I never met one person who asked me what I do and I told them I was a culture coach and they go, oh, you know, they always kind of lean in the head, you know, cucks to the side and they're like, what is that? Um, so it's good because then I can really sort of talk about what it is that I do um, in, in the smallest form. Um, I help individuals and organizations move from monocultural to multicultural in their work and life primarily around the issues of ethnicity uh, and culture. Um, and so, uh, again, being, being a culture coach, um, I am the one to help push them into something, a new possibility in, in our language, right? Uh, push them into something that maybe they thought otherwise they couldn't do. Um, and it was interesting when you were talking about the online culture, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same space that we need to start from when it comes to culture, right? Because I think when we, when we talk about ethnicity and culture, it's like, it kind of tends to stay in the clouds for us, mm -hmm. you know, of like, sure wish that would change, <laughs> you know? And, and probably people even that are, are part of the Difference Maker community would, would not necessarily approach their work or their life that way, right? Like, 
hope my work gets better. Well, you know, with culture coaching, it's saying, no, let's, let's have an intentional look at, you know, how could we be um, more diverse, more mm-hmm. inclusive, more understanding, you know, six months from now than we are right this moment. So I, I, I help people get over the hump that way, um, give them space to ask questions in a non-judgmental format because people need that Mm -hmm. um, as they're tripping and falling and putting their foot in their mouth around issues of ethnicity um, in order to have real conversation. Yeah, you touched on some really important things. There's there's one thing that, well, a couple things leap to mind. You know, mm-hmm. as you and I, I mean, we literally what had this conversation Sunday yeah. that we were going to start doing this. So, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was after you presented to the Difference Maker community on, on what to do when you don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that look like me looking at the situation at hand right now in the States, but really it's worldwide, just like the pandemic, you know, um, the world is coming to terms with, with our, you know, still dysfunctional relationship with how we deal with racial difference. And we can talk about whether that's even the proper framing. Mm -hmm. But throughout the pandemic, a lot of us have had to live primarily online. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, it seems like it's been a real equalizer in a way that we've never been able to have that in person and on site in the workplace yeah. in in uh, on the streets in in the neighborhoods uh you know in the post offices and, and the grocery stores and so you know for for a brief period of time one of the silver linings was you know we're we're all equal because we're all stuck at home <laughs> and we're all having to navigate that the world just turned completely upside down and everything that we were certain about in terms of job like how we earn a living and how we um go to work um mm-hmm. how we get work it you know it was we were certain that there was a, a a one way to do it and and then suddenly it was not and everybody in some ways um you know was was the the playing field was somewhat leveled yeah very much so we we had we had a collective experience yeah which is not normal for americans um, and certainly, you know, when we talk about ethnicity uh, and culture, that's not normal for Americans. You know, oftentimes <clears throat> I like to describe some of the ways we try to communicate with each other in the country um, as, you know, like you're speaking Korean and I'm speaking Japanese. And, you know, we don't realize why we can't, you know, talk to each other because we're, we're both Asian. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's like there's not some broad category of Asian, right? In that regard, so a lot of times, um, you know, depending on people's come from, white Americans have one language, and non-white Americans have another, and we keep figuring out like why can't we just talk to each other? Is because we think we're speaking the same language and we're not. And so even when we talk about collective experience, you know, um, now, now for you and those watching, warning, 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 sweeping generalizations about to be made, warning. Most white American populations are very individualistic. 
in how they see the world. Mm. Almost uh, every other culture, at least in, in America, um, is collective in how they see the world. Now, there's, there's definitely some pockets of individuality within those cultures, but it's very important to know that. So, um, for instance, I was on a call, uh, hosted a, a free call with people, and this was, gosh, this was a month or so ago when we were all talking about the case with the, the young man, uh, Ahmad Albari. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all kind of processing, processing that online together, right? And um, there was an African-American man on the call, and he said, uh, and it, this was a mixed uh, ethnicity call, and he said, I would like to, to ask some of the, the white Americans on the call, why is it so hard to identify with us? Hmm. And a, a very brave white woman raised her hand, she waved on the Zoom call, and she said, you just have to know that she says, my experience as a white woman, I don't identify with many people. Hmm. That has nothing to do with you being like a black man. It's just that, you know, if, if I see someone, something happening to somebody white, I don't see myself. I just see that person. Yeah. And, and but, but even just that conversation, right, is a, is a revealing of how we see the world differently and how... Uh, particularly for Black people in America, um, whose culture is very diverse, by the way. People don't always know that. There is so much diversity within the Black American population, right? That, you know, I don't, I didn't know Ahmaud Arbery. I didn't know George Floyd. I didn't know those guys. But every time something like this happens, when it's around culture, we feel it collectively as a culture group, almost like an aftershock. Mm-hmm. because we're we're, we're pretty collective yeah. you know whereas like um <clears throat> i think i was sharing with you the other day <clears throat> and just keeping it real since this is we're just keeping it real in these conversations you know if you try to name one uh non-white person in america that has been a mass shooter yeah right i can't think of one um however as a country, we don't look then and say, like, I don't look at you, Scott, and say, uh, you know, good thing we're online, because if if Scott and I were in person, there's a very good chance that he would just shoot me up, right? Like, I don't think that about you because of the individual nature of how, you know, we think as Americans, white Americans, whatever. So just even just having that conversation is uh, just a huge learning for most people. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? What do you well, hear? I, 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 it's interesting to me that, so I always like to start with like, let's, let's make sure, like, let's define our terms because yeah. that is a, a real problem with our lack of ability to talk. Like mm-hmm. what, you know, what is, what do we mean by culture? Now you and I both are, have collided in the Seth Godin ecosystem where he defines cultures. People like us do things like this. And, and that to, to me is, a, is a very easy to understand and true way of thinking about culture. Like, you know, we have common beliefs, we have common values, we have, um, complementary and shared skills and talents, mm-hmm. and we are all aiming 
in the same general direction, which is we want to make things better by doing better work and, and doing this work in service of others and being specific about who our work is for. You know, so there's, um, and when we were talking earlier about like how, you know, for a moment there during the pandemic, when we were all like the entire world is locked down for, you know, for a brief second, I feel like we experienced like a global cultural moment. Like here's a shared, you know, like we, people like us all do things like this. Like we, yes. we don't, we, we, we go, what, how, how do we handle that? Like, what do we do now? Because we're right. home and we don't know what to do. Yes. Um, but then as we then start to distinguish ourselves first into the broad categories and then into the, the more um, specific mm -hmm. categories, things things start to get a little bit more messy and things mm -hmm. and and the and the potential for misunderstanding um and judgment you know yeah. really start to um really really become much more pronounced and 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 we just frequently see that things are flaring up over things okay. i'll just you know for for me I mean, you and I have no, in digital years. You and I practically went to kindergarten together, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm a person that likes to leap first and figure mm -hmm. it out later. Like you know, mm -hmm. and it's you know when I see when I see suffering, when I see uh, a problem, mm -hmm. I wanna I wanna lead the charge into addressing it. I did. I was not aware of the George Floyd situation as I shared with you for days because I'm just not watching the news right now because right. there's just too much, <laughs> just too much, yeah. too much. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't have the bandwidth to do good work and to have yes. an impact on the on the, the communities that I serve. Yes. And try to parse out the fake from the, the real. Yes. And um, so five days after the incident, you know, my wife, who's from Minneapolis and is, is, you know, clearly devastated by what's happened. You know, how could this possibly happen where I am from, mm -hmm. um, you know, explains it to me. And then I, you know, do a little poking around um, and I'm horrified and I'm ready to stand up and, and I'm ready to blog about it. I'm ready to mm -hmm. broadcast about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my friend Marie shot who you know mm -hmm. um also from the seth godin ecosystem um you know gave me a cause for pause and said you know this mm -hmm. is maybe this is a time for people like you and i to actually not do something and to mm -hmm. just pay attention and listen and i experienced this most recently before with the me too mm -hmm. movement because mm -hmm. i'm just going come on men are not that bad we are not we are not we are not animals right. and then my wife sat me down and shared you know a <laughs> lifetime of experience yeah. around men yeah. and i just thought oh my god we really are terrible creatures <laughs> and shit <laughs> um who we love so much <laughs> well and that's you know so mm. there's been this long moment for me of and and you have been instrumental in this and just like i want to hear what you think mm. I, I have some ideas, obviously, yeah. but they're not very well-informed ideas. They're certainly not mm -hmm. informed by direct personal experience. They're just mm -hmm. informed by anecdotal 
second and third hand experience. And I want to know more, like, what does it really feel like? Mm. Um, so I don't even know if I'm answering your question, but that's, yeah, you know, no, for me. I think you are. And that's the, that's the hard thing. I mean, I think there's a couple of things that I'm seeing at least right now. Um, and it's just from a human to human perspective, right? No, I'm not leading anywhere. I got no agenda today. I'm literally just talking to my friend, Scott, right? Is, um, <clears throat> at least in my experience, uh, being a black person socialized in the country, we're just really used to people not believing us. Now, there's a lot of parallels here with the Me Too movement, right? Being, and now, now even including my experience as a female, um, we're just used to people not believing us yeah. when we mention uh, things that are happening. Um, and and after a while, uh, not only I think does it, it, you know, if you're not careful, it can lead you into despair and discouragement and you start questioning your own self, right? right? And I think a lot of women uh, can experience this, like, you know, maybe, maybe that's not what that was. Maybe, you know, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. particularly if you're not the, the uh, majority culture, yeah. whatever that is. Um, but you're just so used to, to people not believing you, um, which is hard. And so you talk about things amongst your own community um, and you're just talking about it all the time. You know, because you know that they'll believe you because most of them have had the same experiences. Mm -hmm. um, but then even within those communities, you know, like um, I personally, I have never had a bad experience with, with law enforcement. Personally. However, I mean, my, my stepfather was uh, was a cop. I grew up around a lot. Of, I, you know, for most of my life, I had no reason to fear law enforcement because the family I grew up in. Um, however... You know, I mean, I was just talking to my uh, family member last night. Oh, I'm sorry, two nights ago. A young uh, African-American guy in my family. And he's like, I can't tell you how many times I've been just stopped walking around. Um, and I love this person. And if you met this person, I mean, th this guy is the kindest, you know, like peaceful never been in trouble never like never and that's a frustration so um so i think i think what i'm seeing is we're and again it's my opinion i feel like we're, we we're practicing away our humanity you know like i mean scott if you told me about something awful that happened to you today as your friend you know what I wouldn't be like? Like, if you told me today that, you know, somebody, like, you were in an accident. You're in a car accident. Well, if you're my friend, you know, as soon as you tell me, my first response probably wouldn't be, well, What'd you do? did you back into them? <laughs> you know, well, were you looking? Okay, well, did you have anything to drink this morning? Okay, well, um, how about your license? Is your license up to date? Um, okay, well, what about, what were you thinking? You know, were you upset? You know, trying to e explain away your experience because it wasn't mine mm -hmm. um, and literally trying to discredit your experience. Like if we're in relationship with each other, hopefully my first thing would, uh, first thing I would say is, oh man, 
Well, that sucks. That's what's missing. Yeah. That 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 small little the smallest viable step, right, Scott? <laughs> that right there, compassion and empathy is the smallest viable step. Well, and you you know, you 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 cited a phrase that I've been using for a long time. Um, you know, in my work in Akimbo and out, which is this, you know, let's, let's start with a human to human, because that's what, that's where it always begins. Like, you know, yes, there's B to B and yes, there's B to C, but really when it comes right down to it, all business, Mm. formal and informal comes down to human to human exchange. And one of the things, you know, as you're sharing all this, that, and we're talking about culture, And, and, you know, there is no, you know, even though I alluded that maybe for a moment we had this global cultural moment that was, if it happened, that was very, very brief. Uh, and that more often our culture is what's what's right around us. Uh, you know, we don't even have the kind, like back in the 60s and 70s when I was growing up, you watched one of three television stations. So really there was like everybody knew who Walter Cronkite was, you right. know, I bet you, I bet you not everybody knows who's, um, you know, the anchor on any of the major uh, networks right now. Um, but I am somebody that has grown up in the culture of privilege. And I can see that now. Mm-hmm. But up until I was willing to take the step back and think that maybe just for a second, I don't actually know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe I could like lean in with a little bit more curiosity and a little less Mm -hmm. judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I was, I was, I didn't, you know, Mm. it's the old joke, you know, the the old fish swims up, uh, swimming along, comes across two young fish. He says, Hey boys, how's the water? And the fish turn to each, the young fish turn to each other and say, what's water? You know, (laughs) I'm so I've been surrounded by this my whole life. So I don't, I don't see it until somebody, until something like, you know, what's happening now. And then I realized like, you know, actually, and I've, you know, one of the things that comes up for me is I'm, I'm watching some people of influence, um, you know, Marie Forleo comes up as one example who announced to her community, we don't talk about this here. Like, keep those conversations in your kitchen. Yeah. You know, and and for good reason, she received some pushback on that. And you know, I don't know if she's um, changed her tune or not. I certainly she has. hope so. She uh, has. Well, good mm-hmm. for her. Good for, yeah. for her for recognizing that that mm-hmm. was probably not the most empathetic and, and, and sensitive. You know, from the moment I became aware of what was going on with the aftermath of George Floyd, I, you know, all I had to do was look at my mission statement, right, which has said that everyone is entitled mm-hmm. to meaningful and fulfilling work done with and for others. That means everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's not a, a thing where I can say, I, you know, I don't talk about current events on my show or right. in my, you know, in my community. Um, some people are really, uncomfortable, you know, and most of them look like me. You know, but they're uncomfortable with these conversations because, hmm. you know, well, yeah. he was, he was, you know, he was drunk. He was breaking the law. He was passing, you know, counterfeit, you know, yeah. yes. And 
-hmm. if that had been me, I don't think it would have ended the way it ended. Mm -mm. Um, what's up, you know, like what's up with that? Yeah. And those are the things that are hard, really hard to process. And I think, um, we can get easily distracted with things that are not about the actual problem, Mm -hmm. you know, which is essentially like, what's the problem right now? Well, there's lots of problems. But the main problem connected to this instance and many like them is that uh, this is going to sound I've never actually said this in my life, Scott. I'm just going to say and clean it up later. But an individual should be able to be arrested (laughs) and 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 go to jail. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if they did a crime, okay, but they should be able to be arrested without the fear of this might be the last my last day on earth and i think i know that it's hard to hear for people but people really have to understand and and even for me i mean you know i'm 43 and this is the first time in my life scott that i have had fear if i get pulled over i mean that is people aren't making that up yeah like that is very very real and and where even where i live you know i've never lived in an urban context you know i've never lived in a city i've never lived in a a a lower income neighborhood that's not my come from right i have i've had a different experience and even where i live right now it's a different experience i don't live in an urban environment i live in a suburb um and so probably the, the probabilities of that happening to me might be lower but it still goes through my head, even in my suburb, you know? And so, and so really the human to human response to that oftentimes is just, oh man, I hear you. I'm really sorry about that. What can I do? And I think sometimes um, we're missing that. I, I like to tell people, I feel like we live in a show me your scans culture you know, which is, I'm not going to believe your arm is broken until I see your x-ray. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to believe that you have cancer until I can personally speak with your doctor and have that person tell me exactly what's going on. And then I'll come back around to you six weeks later and say, oh, oh man, like that really sucks. Once I have all the information, yeah. but you know, compassion doesn't need facts. Well, and it's, I think what's called for from my culture mm-hmm. at this point yeah. is something that we're, we're not encultured to do, to, 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 we haven't learned and we don't do it well, which is mm-hmm. this, the, this leap of empathy, like mm-hmm. to disabuse yourself of your own unfounded beliefs your own prejudice based on the fact that you've never experienced anything other than what you experienced and never Mm -hmm. had your beliefs questioned by anybody that thinks differently um you know to make this empathetic leap like Mm -hmm. what you know what how is it possible that this happens like tell me about your experience so that i can under like just wrap my head around like why Mm -hmm. you know and i i i extend this to all parties, um, you know, there, there are no, um, you know, the problem 
to me, to me, the outrage that we're we're seeing, um, and that many are experiencing, and that many are feeling this anger, this frustration, this rage, this outrage, this indignation. It's important because it's it's just it's not justified in the sense that it is the right thing to do, but it is it, it is a typical human response yes. to a long systemic problem where yeah. one culture is not afforded the same rights, privileges, and opportunities right. as the culture of privilege. And the culture of privilege has to be able to look at that and say, this is, you know, we have failed to address this for far too long. Some of the things that I'm really concerned about is what happens when, you know, we had civil disobedience and civil rights movement in the 60s. We passed the civil rights bill and a lot of people that look like me go, all right, mm-hmm. got that taken care of. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and no, yeah. we can't have these symbolic, you know, sending a, a bad yeah. cop to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, because he killed somebody right. and it was unjustified. That's a symbolic gesture that, mm-hmm. yes, it, it needs it needs to happen because it's yeah. the right thing. But at the same time, that's not the, the that doesn't solve the problem. That just solve right. that's just resolution of one incident. We have, yeah. and so when I'm thinking about the, you know, and I posted on my blog recently about this, like outrage has. It has its its value. It's mm-hmm. pointing to the problem, mm-hmm. and it's reminding us of mm-hmm. a long, a, a long time systematic problem that we haven't adequately addressed. And like maybe now, this is the time where we finally say it's time to get real about talking about this and and finding justice, like yeah. resolving it and finding a just way forward for everyone yeah Um, and let me just let me just add that i think it's important for us to know and and those are you those of us that are connected to you even in your work and how we work with you is to know that curiosity Mm -hmm. um doesn't lead us to lack it actually leads us into abundance and i think sometimes that because it happens to me all the time with other things right the more curious i get about something the more i realize i don't know mm-hmm. which can then trick me into thinking that means i i have lack or less than or that just because i don't know something rather than i think what curiosity is intended to do which is if you step into curiosity and curious questions when it's something you don't understand knowing that you are actually stepping into abundance because then i mean talk, think about culture ethnicity if we got more curious uh then we got judgmental uh, i mean think about all the things that we have to learn about each other mm-hmm. we step into abundance our curious questions lead us into more cultural understanding not less and it doesn't mean that that means that our culture group whatever culture group we're from that now it's less than or there's lack. It doesn't mean that at all. It just actually means that when we step into that curious space, that our lives are actually more enriched than they were before we stepped into it. And and that's a huge mind shift that that needs to happen for all of us. Well, this is what the, the very thing that we're talking about in the Difference Maker community now is the theme mm-hmm. for this month is consideration. Mm-hmm. And consideration is the antidote to judgment. 
mm. and judgment and not not the idea that being of sound mind and body and doing the right thing but judgment as in you know i believe this and you believe that and you're stupid because you believe that that's that's the judgment i'm talking about right. we need to we need to have we we need to do a better job of turning that off or at least hitting mm -hmm. the pause button mm -hmm. on rushing to judgment mm -hmm. um and leaning in you know the consideration piece is just an amplified version of the curiosity like yes to be to look at the situation at hand and say you know what is it that would make a hu one human being do this mm -hmm. why would another human being do right. that and right. not what's wrong, not, not, you know, what's, who's right and wrong in that situation or what's right. right or wrong with those people, but what is the architecture, the structural yes. architecture that provided the, the environment where that kind of thing didn't just happen yes. once, but it happens over and over and over again. And why is it taking us so long to, to decide? That we're going to actually, we're going to, we are going to to consider the situation. We are going to be leaning in with a little bit more curiosity, a little less certainty, a little less uh, judgment, and we're going to together come up with, you know, what's the, what what's the better way here? What's what's the aim? What's the what's the point on the horizon that mm -hmm. we want to walk together towards? Where right. we, you know, I don't. I think every, ultimately we get bogged down in um, in the details when when you hear you know I, I, I in anticipation that we were going to talk about this I was listening to a podcast I'm not going to mention which one but I'm listening to, to two white guys talk about all the details and I'm like okay <laughs> that's yeah. a great way to get distracted from the real problem like, and honestly that is very cultural and that's what uh, majority culture doesn't always see is that like I would look at that and say oh yeah that's what white people do <laughs> like literally like what uh, that, let's that think it and talk it to death exactly let's talk it to death let's um, talk about statistics and you know here's 16 articles on this or, or let's have you seen go this? listen to a second by second Absolutely. replay of the I mean please yeah but that—that's the human. thing. When when you're part of the majority culture, you can't even see that that in itself is cultural. You call that normal or yeah. right, whereas non-white cultures in the country, we we start with a with being instead of doing. But again, they're just cultural differences for the most part, right? We start with. Oh my gosh, how can we serve one another? Oh my gosh, you know, how can we be there with each? We don't start with details and facts and information. So even just knowing that that, that is a cultural difference can oftentimes help people to start in with a conversation. Um, and, and it's a little trickier, quite I mean, I'm just gonna I'm just keeping it real. It's it's a little trickier sometimes for a majority culture yeah. um, to lean in because what's also part of your history um is and what's passed down through your generational line is like we got this um <laughs> we know what to do we know where to go you know that's not passed down through my generational line right but it it's it's part of what you live in my husband who's who's white um you know he talks about this all the time and i look at him and i say honey um 
you know, do you have this too? And he's like, yeah, I have it too. He said, because it's passed down this idea of, you know, kind of seeing something. And, and again, this is how he describes it, just to be clear, not me. Um, you know, seeing something, saying, ooh, that looks good. I want that. I'll take it from here. That's how he describes it. Mm-hmm. And again, remember, he's white. So this is his experience being a white person, um, you know, in in our country. And so the, the challenge there is, I, I, I try to explain to people that um, one of the biggest ahas, particularly white Americans usually have, is that um, white American culture uh, is a required course for everyone that is not white in America, right? Like we can't get jobs, we can't exist in the world, we can't unless we know your culture. But every other culture group in the United States is an elective for white Americans. And we we see white Americans as an ethnicity. White Americans don't see themselves as an ethnicity for the most part, right? (laughs) They just get to see themselves as people. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, it does. I was actually thinking about this on on my cemetery run today because Mm. I remember, you know, I I was an American studies major in college in addition Mm. to a history major and an education major. Yeah. I majored in a couple other things, but they weren't on the curriculum. (laughs) Um, You know, I took women's studies. I took African-American studies, African-American lit, women's Mm -hmm. lit. Um, You know, the... uh, It was my first there was no courses in it but you know now we do have um you know gay studies or or you know queer lit and all that this mm-hmm. sort of thing and i appreciate having my like i appreciated having my eyes open to tony morrison alice walker mm-hmm. you know all the um feminist writings and the women's studies um James Baldwin and, you know, and on and on and on. I mean, that was, that was revealing to me and I, I'm grateful for it. At the same time, when that, I I just see this, that like, that is, we're just continuing to break, like break Mm -hmm. things down. Like this is, this is for you over here. And, um, you know, if a couple of you white folks want to go check that out or, you know, a couple of you white men want to take the feminist studies classes, that's cool, you know, Mm. but then, then we get, you know, then I get accused of virtue signaling and, and mm-hmm. I, to me, I just, I would, I would, I would love, I mean, I think that the constitution is one of the most beautiful documents ever written, the American constitution. At the same time, it is really showing its age. Mm. And I mean, it is, you know, Good way to say that. when do we, when do we just get to say, you know what, it's time for the 2.0. Like, mm-hmm. you know, do we really have to, like, have the things that allow slavery and then the things that disallow slavery and the things that disenfranchise women? And then, the, you know, mm-hmm. like, can't we just, like, say, okay, we're going to actually start this all over mm-hmm. and keep all the good parts and just mm-hmm. bring in the inclusive? So, and then, like, can we rewrite the history books so mm-hmm. that we are actually just talking about um, American history or human history? For that matter, yes, We're, and yeah. and not ignoring mm. the disturbing bits, um, you know. Yeah, and- I, Scott, that is insightful and fresh. What you just said, I'm going to be thinking about that the rest of the week. Um, just the way that 
the language you use with that. Because, um, you know, the scary thing is, is, my husband and I were talking about this the other day. You know, even for me, when I was in high school, you know, and people keep saying, you know, we only know so much of history, right? And our history was essentially um, not there, right? Not included. The thing is, is that even for me, I, I didn't even know that it was missing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I didn't know to know that it was not missing, right? That, like, I didn't even realize that when I'm in American history courses, really, it's it's white American history courses, at least back then, right? I'm, hopefully, there's been some improvement. I don't have any kids, so I don't know. Um, but, like, that, that's what I learned. And it wasn't until I was in my late 20s to even know, like, oh, my gosh, look at, wait a minute, look at all these people from my people group that were like doing these fantastic, amazing things. Because up until that point, you're sort of told in the country that your history began with slavery. Right. I mean, think about that for a minute, how disempowering that is for a people group. Like that's where you started. You started as slaves. And not only that, all your friends in your class next to you, they're all slave owners great you know (laughs) but like if that's the only history you're told is of oppression Mm -hmm. that's why it's not as easy for us to make a symbol like you said and just go great now we're good everybody's equal let's keep it moving and and then wonder why people are still struggling in certain communities because those experiences are passed down through lineage right and ways of being and and all of that stuff and it's a lot more complex i think than we give it credit for just to kind of circle back to Mm -hmm. you know what's going on now which is we're still seeing lots of the expression of outrage and um and then you know the response of indignation by Mm -hmm. (laughs) the culture that doesn't understand why how you know we could allow um, or, mm. you know, that feels that like outrage shouldn't be allowed because mm-hmm. it's not their outrage. Mm. You know, at some point, I think what's happening almost universally on all sides of, of what's going on, all mm-hmm. sides of, of the discussion, mm-hmm. it is more reactive than responsive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think outrage is really good um, at pointing to the problem. I think mm-hmm. indignation is also part of the problem and outrage is pointing, you know, at that too. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I'm not sure that that's going to be the best way to solve the problem. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. of, of many um, revolutions, you know, I mean, the French, French Revolution didn't really end that well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Civil War. Um, you know, maybe the right side won if 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 you are um, you know a believer in the historic documentation about what the Civil War was really about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't you know it didn't solve anything. Um, right. It uh, and so you know when when do we stop reacting mm. and when do we start responding? And again, pointing to what we talked to earlier, the response. Mm is going to have to um, bring, people are going to have to bring 
a lot more consideration. And the other thing, you know, just speaking to what you're saying, mm -hmm. is we have to acknowledge what really has happened to this point. Like we have to come to grips with this history that we have. You know, white folks have got to come to grips with the fact that they are descendants of slave owners and black people are the descendants of slaves in most, you know, in, in broad sweeping strokes. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to accept and acknowledge that without being defined by it anymore. Because right. in the here and now, if we want to step into this better possibility for all of us, where we can all have an equal opportunity to thrive and flourish. And to speak to your point of abundance, there's plenty to go around. There, There is plenty of abundance for all of us to be yes. sharing in the rich bounty. Um, so, you know, we have to, we have to, at some point, mm -hmm. say, okay, this all happened. This is all terrible. Yeah. And here we are. And now we get to decide what to do next. And it's an extraordinary, you know, this is why I'm somewhat optimistic because mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I feel like yeah. there are more good people yeah. around than there are bad people. And I, I think that anybody that we would define as bad doesn't think they're bad. bad. They're doing right. what they think is right. I don't think right. everybody, um, every bad cop is a sociopath and every everybody rioting is, is, um, mm -hmm. is, a, is a sociopath either. It's mm -hmm. like everybody's doing what they think is right mm -hmm. and they're doing it for reasons that are good to them that are justified mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. them and so once we can just accept that everybody is actually tr like doing what they think is best maybe we can mm -hmm. start to have a more reasoned conversation yeah. about like okay here's we can acknowledge what happened but where do we want to go and how do we work together to get there and you know i again i say it might if if the best solution to date this you know democratic experiment if we could turn it back into a true democracy <laughs> mm -hmm. um and maybe you know update the playbook for yeah. um yeah. you know what we know to be true now in terms of biology yeah. um and physics yeah. and you know uh science in general um because that's you know part of what i see is people are people are denying things that are true Mm. scientific and mm -hmm. historical facts yeah um, so, you know social cultural facts we yes. you know and and in, in, in pursuit of trying to make things better and in pursuit of trying to keep things the way they've always been people yes. are ignoring the facts and that's not going to be yeah. a healthy way forward yeah it, it's it puts our country in a state of perpetual grief mm -hmm. um we never get to move on um, like, like everybody wants to move on, right? Like, I think everybody wants that. Everybody wants, hey, can we just move past this? Well, yes. But like any grieving process, any death, any, you know, problem solving technique, if you will, there is a process <laughs> through which that has to happen. And, um, you know, for us, I think as a country, it's like being in this, having this perpetual problem that we can never truly fix because oftentimes, like you're saying, um, it usually has to start with an acknowledgement mm -hmm. um, of what is followed by, okay, great. Now, 
how do we how do we fix the source of the problem right now that's where we get all kinds of you know we all have different ways to get there but um even just the idea of you know gosh what are the, this is a whole nother conversation but you know who do we want to be right you know as as a country can we agree on that well we can't agree on that but you know the the ideals of how do we make this country a place where first of all people know that generally the systems that are in place will not continue to oppress them or threaten their life um you know barring criminal justice and things like that right i'm not talking about that but um you know i mean your citizens in a sense can't even really think about how to fix the problem if they're in constant stress and fear mode all the time um and you know the things around us the, the media outlets and people and all of that continue to cultivate this um, fog of fear uh, within all of us. And, um, you know, I'm not sure yet how we, <laughs> how we move forward in that. Cause I don't think we've seen it yet. You know, everybody talks about a new normal with COVID, right? Which I reject. I'm like, I reject that. I reject the new normal because I'm like, what? no, I'm not going to let anybody hand me a new normal. Like I'm going to create the new normal. And the same thing can be done um, with these conversations that we're trying to have and uh, the justice that needs to happen around race and ethnicity. Yeah. Well, you're really pointing, um, I think, at the way forward, which is... Um, you know what? You know if 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 you or anybody listening has ever been through a trauma and gotten you know professional help, mm-hmm. what one of the things that you learn and that you and if you get, get through and and mm. emerge healthy and and flourishing again, is that the only way out is actually through. You can mm. you cannot mm-hmm. deny it. You cannot suppress it. You cannot ignore it. You cannot. Mm. Um, you know, rail and live in the past. You have to accept and then um, continue, you know, you push through and you push through the grief and you push through the pain and you push through um, the resistance mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you push and you push and you push and, you, and it's painful and it's messy and it's not linear, um, but eventually... Mm you get through Mm -hmm. and you are better off for it and you are certainly not perfect and it's not like everything is suddenly um you know angel horns and uh cornucopias right but um you know you what you learn i think is you know this happened and Mm -hmm. and yet and and you're speaking to this. It's like, we're, we're not going to, there's, there's no right way through. There's mm-hmm. no right way to do any of this, but mm-hmm. there, the, you know, the only way, if the only way out is through, we're going to have to try a lot of things and a lot of things are not going to work. And some things are going to work a little bit and some things are not going to work at all. And some things are right. going to work, you know, every once in a while we'll get one mm-hmm. and things will, will, um, you know, take a, a leap forward, but we have to commit to the process and commit to, the ideal and the ideal is we want 
equality of our opportunity for mm. every human being yes. on the yes. planet and for every creature, every living thing on the planet. Yes. That, that is what we are striving for. And along the way, some people will be missing out more than others. And maybe those that have had need to miss out a little bit more at the beginning. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to, to get on, on that bus. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. if the bus is heading, um, you know, if, if the right people are on the bus and the bus is mm -hmm. heading toward a destination that's desirable, mm -hmm. um, I can accept that there's going to be some flat tires, potholes, mm -hmm. wrong turns, and, uh, you know, the occasional breakdown. Right. Um, because there's the promise that in the end, we will all become healthier, uh, more resilient, yes. um, and, uh, happier, mm -hmm. uh, along the way. Mm. Nikki, we have committed to six of these. We just, I thought we were going to talk for a half hour. We right? talked to I talk know. for an hour. We haven't even really talked about the nitty gritty yet. And I thought I know. we were, um, I know. But this was good though. This was yeah, good. this is, I think, I think we laid some, some, uh, good groundwork. So, um, before we take off, you know, people have just gotten a healthy dose of, um, what it's like to live in Nikki and Scott's head and what <laughs> a conversation between Nikki and Scott might sound yes, like. Yes, that's right. Um, so where, where can people, um, go to collide with you online and learn a little bit more about what you're up to? Yeah, the best place to go to find out what I'm up to is just NikkiLearner.com. You can find just about everything I'm up to. Um, and if there's something there that you can't find, just shoot me an email and I'll let you know. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's always fantastic to see folks uh, visiting CreativeOnPurpose.com. We do uh, have a handbook, a little guidebook, three pages, about a three-minute read three questions to help you navigate or embrace uncertainty and navigate adversity. There's a little bit of that going on. So we'd love to see you hang out there and join the creative on purpose community of which Nikki is a member. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next Tuesday and we'll uh, discuss what's going on then. Excellent. Thanks Scott. Thank you.